Get ready, Avalanche territory. It's now time for the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans on your home for the most Avalanche content. Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome into the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike Evans. Glad to have you here with us. As always, our Mile High Hockey Podcast presented by TNT Home Services. For all your heating, plumbing, cooling, and electrical needs, reach out to TNT Home Services. Got a great deal right now where they'll come out and inspect your AC unit to make sure it's working properly for just 29 bucks. They'll come out and check it out. You want to get ahead of that. You do not want that breaking down when it's all of a sudden 98 degrees. It was uh, a hot start for the Avalanche in game five, but they cooled off quickly. See what I just did right there? Oof, did not see that one coming. Did not see that one coming. I think I felt this way, and I don't think I was alone, that did not think that St. Louis would have a whole lot left in the tank after Game 4. You think about Game 4 and how much St. Louis put into that game. All the emotion, building up Nazem Kadri to be the villain. Uh, just a lot of energy was put in towards giving them that extra motivation, that chip on their shoulder to go out and really ride that in Game 4. And the Avalanche beat them. And quite frankly, I did not think that St. Louis would have much left for game five. I'm not saying they were going to come over and hear it and just roll over, but when the Avalanche jumped out three, nothing midway through the hockey game, I, I thought it was over. I I thought it was over. I, I really did because already thinking that St. Louis didn't have a lot of resistance to put up and then falling behind three, nothing. I just, I thought it was, it was over with, but give St. Louis credit. And blame the Avalanche. And this is one of those things where I suppose it depends on where you live and who you root for. Uh, you know, you you look at it from an Avalanche standpoint. Wow, they let off the gas. <clears throat> they lost their intensity. They lost their focus. And they let St. Louis back in the game. And once you let St. Louis back in the game and gave them hope and a reason to believe that they could pull it off, then you get what you deserve. Now, if you're in St. Louis, you look at it and say, heart of a champion. This is why this team... Uh, won a cup a few years ago and still has some of those guys still left on this team. It, it truly is how you are a fan. I if, if, if it was reversed, right, if the exact situation happened yesterday and it was the Avalanche that were down and came back to win, we would be applauding the Avalanche for their guts and fortitude and never-say-die attitude, and people in St. Louis would be like, we choked! So I get it. It's, it's human nature. It's fan nature. Uh, I choose to look at it. I'm going to try to look at it uh, without a whole lot of bias. I, I think you just have to give St. Louis a lot of credit. Um, it it would have been very easy to have lost game four the way they did, lost two games in St. Louis, and fall behind 3 nothing midway through the hockey game and just say, you know what, it's not meant to be. But they kept battling. They kept fighting. They They took advantage of the avalanche letting up a little bit. They took advantage of some – soft goaltending from Darcy Kemper. But what ultimately had to happen in order for the avalanche mistakes and letdowns to to really hurt them was you had to have a team that was willing to take advantage of it. And St. Louis was. I, I just, be, before we go out and say the avalanche choked and gagged it away and all that, I it's pretty, that's pretty harsh, one. Two, hey, the other guy gets paid too. 
And I think sometimes you just have to tip your cap to the other guy. And I think St. Louis showed a lot. And it was one of the reasons why I had the Avalanche winning this series in six. It's why before this series began, I said, geez, I kind of wish Minnesota had beaten St. Louis because the Blues not only have the well-chronicled nine goal scorers with 20 or more goals, and they had Jordan Bennington, but what I really felt about St. Louis that I thought made them a bit dangerous was this is a team that's battle-tested. This is a team that's been through the ringer. This is a team that knows how to win a Stanley Cup, and that's not to be overlooked. And it's why my feeling was is that this series would be the most difficult series for the Avalanche through the Western Conference playoffs. It's why I said I believe that this Avalanche Blues series is, in effect, the Western Conference Finals, that whoever wins it will go to the Stanley Cup Finals. And nothing that has happened during this series, certainly nothing that happened in Game 5, changes my mind on that. So, credit to St. Louis. But, all that said, let's take a look at it from the Avalanche standpoint. What went wrong? And as I as I kind of break down the... Uh, <laughs> you know, the autopsy of what went down for the Avalanche. Let's start with the fact when they were up 3 nothing, Up 3 nothing. Gabe Landeskog had scored at about the four-minute mark of the second period to put him up 3 nothing. They, a few minutes later, get a power play, the Avalanche do, as uh, Nazem Kadri draws a high-stick penalty. So the Avalanche go on the power play about midway through the second period, midway through the second period, midway through the hockey game. And at that point, they're on the power play, They've got momentum. Their their big guys are de- uh, delivering, right? Two from Nathan McKinnon, one from Gabe Landeskog. You get a power play goal there, it's over. 4 nothing. it's over. And instead, the Avalanche had kind of a lethargic power play, and then they followed up with some lethargic shifts, and you're starting to wonder, okay, they've lost that edge. Now, it hasn't hurt them yet to this point, right? It's 3 nothing. hasn't hurt them, but you can tell. They're not playing at the same level that got them to 3 nothing, And then Tarasenko scores to make it 3-1. And at that point, I don't know how you were. At that point, I thought, I wasn't worried. It was more like, okay, there's your wake-up call. There's your wake-up call. St. Louis isn't going to go completely away. It's not going to be 1-2-3 Cancun for the Blues. So get back to your game. Problem is, the Avalanche did not get back to their game. Soon it was 3-2. Midway through the third, then it was 3-3. And now you're like, okay, what's going on? What the heck? And then, folks, Nathan McKinnon scored what I got to say, as a hockey fan of 40 years, was one of the great goals I've ever seen. Not only just the play itself. The play itself against Columbus on a Tuesday night in February would have been a jaw-dropping performance, okay? Would have been a jaw-dropping goal. But at that moment, 3-3 in an elimination game, late in the third period, to deliver like that, a a one-on-five play like that, you think about it, in the NBA, if a great basketball player wants to take over, he can. If a great basketball player down the stretch, or in the final moments for that last shot, he can go out and create for himself and deliver in in a way that very few individual athletes in a team sport can do, right? Hockey, 
there there's so many factors that go into a goal, right? It you know, it's five guys working in conjunction, it's three guys working in conjunction, but very rarely do you just get that just one guy, one guy, one moment. And it, I can still see it right now as we're talking. Nathan McKinnon gearing up in his own zone, bringing the puck out, picking up speed as he goes, and just like a like a skier on a on a slalom course, just weaving in and out of Blues players, and then attacking the zone, getting into the zone, going wide, and then making the move backhand to forehand. And at an impossible angle, still being able to lift the puck up over Husso's um, shoulder for the goal. Unbelievable. And it was it, it, it was one of those super, super, super rare times where a player of Nathan McKinnon's magnitude at that moment said, okay, enough's enough. I'm going to go make a play. And I'm going to do it by myself. And he did. And he did. And just a quick side note, it's and, and it's too bad that the Avalanche didn't win the game because one of the things that would have been so huge about an Avalanche win, especially culminating with that McKinnon goal, is the hat trick. What a performance. Performance for the ages. You know, back-to-back hat tricks for the Avalanche right after Kadri's legendary performance in Game 4. You get the legendary McKinnon goal in Game 5. But it, it also would have sort of – it would have created a really, really – not that it would have been juicy, but added to it, it looks like it's going to be, as of right now, Avalanche and Edmonton in the Western Conference Finals. And you got the whole Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid uh, matchup, right? Who's the best player in the world? And it was kind of funny because McDavid had one of those individual tour de force performances uh, a few days ago. And this would have almost been like McKinnon's like, okay, yeah, everyone's talking about Connor McDavid and... His outs- his amazing goals, here, hold my beer, right? That type of thing. So that's why it would have been so cool on top of clinching the win for the Avalanche. And when he- and when McKinnon scored, I thought it was over. I thought it was over. Of course, I thought it was over when it was 3 nothing. But after blowing that lead and seeing that kind of- it's not just the goal. It's that kind of goal. And-, and what it did to the arena, what it did to the Avalanche bench, what it did to the Blues. I mean, you immediately saw shots of Blues players with their head down and stick on their knees like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? We put in all this work, all this effort to climb back from 3 nothing down, and this guy goes and acts like a freaking magician and skates through all of us, beats us, and that's the way it's going to end? And that's certainly the way it seemed, right? Couple things happened. Couple things happened that worked against the Avalanche. One, one. Uh, why did the in-house operators decide this was the time to play Blink One Eighty Two? All the small things, right? I mean, it's cool. It's awesome. It's a great moment. Eighteen thousand people singing along, but. Didn't they jump the gun a little bit on that one? Usually they only play that when that game is 100% in the bag, right? This was just a one-goal game. Granted, two minutes left, but still, was that the right time? Okay, so there's the superstition part of it. 
Why was that a good time to play the song and get everybody partying? Well, because there was a delay. A delay caused by the hat trick and all the hats raining down on the ice. Now, this, this I think, is a very real reason, um, something that is, is a valid excuse as to why St. Louis was able to recover from what should have been a back-breaking goal by McKinnon. Because all those hats came raining down on the ice. And, and let me just say, no issue at all, by the way. Uh, that, that's what you should do. I have no problem with people throwing their hats out on the ice. After that kind of goal, that kind of performance by McKinnon, of course you throw your hats down on the ice. So I don't have a problem with it. But here's where it did work against the Avalanche. It was a long delay. You had to scoop up all the hats, had to clear the ice. Took a good, what, three, four, five minutes before they were ready to play. Didn't really hurt the Avalanche. I don't think so. But here's who it helped. It helped the Blues. It helped the Blues. Because that break allowed them to sort of take a breath, refocus, gather together on the bench. It was a long, free, extended timeout. They could talk strategy. Key guys got to rest. They could sort of pump themselves back up again. Hey, boys, we, you know, we came back once. We'll do it again. And all that extra time, I think, really, really helped the Blues. Put it this way. Let's say that that goal by McKinnon, same unbelievable goal, puts the Avalanche up 4-3, same amount of time left, but it's McKinnon's first or second goal of the game. Not a hat trick. McKinnon goes over, you know, exchanges uh, fist bumps with all his teammates, and probably within about, uh, what, 30, 45 seconds, they're dropping the puck again. And I don't think that, you're going to see a St. Louis team that is able to rally and sort of uh, take a breath had they had to resume play under those circumstances as compared to the extended break that they got after the hat trick. So, look, again, I'm not (laughs) – please do not take this as any kind of like, hey, Avalanche fans, at that moment you have to have the presence of mind no matter how wildly excited you are about Nathan McKinnon – scoring a goal for the ages to complete a hat trick, uh, you need to realize at that moment, do not throw your hats on the ice. All of you collectively decide at that moment not to do it uh, because it's going to create a long uh, uh, delay that's going to help the Blues. Nobody's thinking that. You're not going to have Alan Roach, the PA announcer, come on and say, Ladies and gentlemen, in the event that Nathan McKinnon scores his third goal here in the next couple of minutes, do not... Please refrain from throwing your hats on the ice so as not to give the Blues an extended break to get their composure back. I mean, you're not going to do that. No one's going to do that. No one's even thinking about that. But as it was going on, as it was happening, and the delay was was lasting, and I'm watching the Blues congregate over at their bench, and they're kind of just, you know, chopping it up and talking to the coaches, and the coaches are diagramming. I'm like, hmm, this, this doesn't hurt them. This doesn't hurt them at all. And they end up getting the equalizer. And then, of course, we know what happens afterwards. So while we're kind of dissecting what went wrong, got to talk about Darcy Kemper, right? I thought the game tying goal with a little over a minute left when it was an empty net situation for St. Louis, uh, not entirely his fault, but certainly not a play that was handled smoothly, kind of boxed it around a little bit. Uh, puck got dropped right there on the crease, and 
they scored for the game-tying goal. Then in overtime, the Bozak goal, uh, to win it, it, it was a soft goal. Uh, how do I know it was a soft goal? Because TNT's studio afterwards had Hendrick, uh, Henrik Lundqvist, King Henry, on the on the panel, and as a former goaltender, uh, he was he was asked about it. And look, in that situation, goaltenders don't want to really call out fellow goaltenders. But I thought it was revealing when he said, "That's a save the Kemper needs to make." To me, that's a that's a five alarm bell going off, saying, "All right, that 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 was a bad goal." And you look at it, and it was a bad goal. And and, and I heard a lot of defensive Kemper that. Well, you know, the the Avalanche weren't playing well in front of him. And Eric Johnson had a bad third period and, and this and that. Look, you you can't you can't on one hand uh glorify a goalie's performance when he steals a game, stands on his head, and then say, Well, when it didn't work out, he didn't have enough help. Any goalie that steals a game, saves a game, robs a game. It usually is happening because the team in front of him isn't playing so hot or is overmatched or is making mistakes. That's why the goalie has to save the game, steal the game. If everything's going fine in front of him, he's not stealing games. And that's the importance, the crucial importance of a goaltender in the Stanley Cup playoffs and what you need to feel confident that you have. He's the great eraser. He's the one that covers up the warts. Team not playing well. Team doesn't have its legs. Team is fumbling the puck. Team is out of position. Team has a 3-0 lead and starts to give it away and has lost its edge. I don't care. The best teams have goaltenders who, under those circumstances, still find a way to make the saves and save the game. That's what they're paid to do. That's what defines Stanley Cup winning goaltenders. And that's what we just don't know yet about Darcy Kemper. Is can he be that kind of guy? You know, it's funny. We're sitting here the morning after, the day after that game five. And it's what, as I'm recording this right now, it's May 26th. Whether you're talking about October 26th, November 26th, January 26th, March 26th, or now May 26th, the conversation surrounding Darcy Kemper Hasn't changed at all. It still remains the same. And here's the question. Can Darcy Kemper be the goalie that can take you to a Stanley Cup? And all on all those other dates, the answer always had to be, it looks like it could happen, but we don't know. And we won't really know until we know. And so here we are on May 26th. And aren't we still in the same situation? We think he could be the guy, but we're certainly not sure he can be the guy. And based on performances like last night, we have questions whether or not he can be the guy. We were leading up to game five, and we were talking about the idea of, hey, not only do you want to get the Avalanche the win to get this series over with, but what other boxes would you like to check? And we had a bunch of them. We had, uh, hey, score the first goal, be better on the penalty kill. Hey, it'd be really nice to see Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, and Miko Rantanen get their first goals of the series. Yes, I know Miko Rantanen had an empty net goal. That does not count. So those were some of the things that, in addition to a victory, you'd like to check those other boxes. Certainly, McKinnon did, and that that's the silver lining in all of this. But one of the other things that was talked about was the idea of, 
hey, it'd be great if Darcy Kemper could just have a really sharp game, you know, toss a shutout or just a just a really, really strong game that would just further build that belief in him. Well, uh, I would say that uh, the opposite happened, and now there are some doubts about whether or not he can be the guy. I, we, we talked about Kemper throughout the playoffs and, and right up until Game 5 as, hey, you the Avalanche haven't won yet in these playoffs because of Darcy Kemper. And they haven't won in spite of Darcy Kemper. The idea being that he's been solid, right? Solid. Nothing great. Solid. And But yet the one thing that you could easily say was, hey, they haven't lost because of him. Well, now you can you can look at that possibility and that kind of a game. So... Hey, am I calling for Darcy Kemper to be benched and make way for Pavel Francis? No. Uh, I do think that Darcy Kemper has done enough this season to be given the benefit of the doubt and given the opportunity to bounce back in Game 6 in St. Louis. Plus, it would send the kind of uh, we're panicking message that you don't want to send from your coaching staff to the rest of your players. So you don't want to do any of that. Take Game 6 or take game five for what it was, okay? We were dominating. We let up. We let up, and in combination with a St. Louis team that's got a lot of guts and pride that wouldn't give up, they made us pay. And I, I've talked so much during these podcasts throughout the, in course, the course of the entire regular season and now on in, in here to the playoffs is the idea that this team, I believe, has earned our trust. And until that trust that we give them is betrayed, I'm not going to stop trusting them. So, yeah, game five, that sucked. That was a, that was a rough one to lose. That was uh, the classic gut punch loss for the Avalanche. But I trust this team to be able to process it, learn from it, and come out and be ready to go in game six, Friday night in St. Louis. And I expect them to bounce back. I don't expect them to be um, carrying the effects of a hangover for 60 minutes. I don't uh, expect them to be hanging their head. I don't expect them to be like, well, blew our opportunity. I guess we're going to just have to come back and reload for game seven back at Ball Arena. I, I just, I don't think that, that this team is is made of that kind of stuff. And so I do think that they'll respond. And I think they'll come out with a really good effort. And I think they're going to win. Game six. So, yeah, um, you know, the, the 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 loss is enough to give you some pause, not only about this series, but, you know, it gives you some pause about the Avalanche and their ability to win it all moving forward. There were just enough red flags that popped up during the course of this game, but those could be addressed. But the first order of business is uh, get rid of these pesky blues, and let's see if they can do that on Friday night. One other thing to keep in mind, okay, if you're looking for more silver linings, Think about the last time the Avalanche won the Stanley Cup, 20 years ago, 2001-2002 season. In that, in that playoff run, the Avalanche swept Vancouver in the first series 4-0. The Avalanche swept Nashville in this last series 4-0. In that second series, they grabbed a three games to one lead over the Kings. Same thing that the Avs have done in this series. The Avalanche in 2002 proceeded to lose game five at home. Oops, 3-2. Then they lost in L.A. Oops, 3-3. 
and they had to come home and win Game 7 to move on. They ended up winning that next series in five and went on to win the Stanley Cup. So, hey, if you're looking for a uh, a, a positive out of all this, all this loss means is that the Avalanche are following the same path as the last Avalanche team to win a Stanley Cup. How's that for a silver lining, huh? Huh? Yeah, that's what we do here. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I expect the Avs to bounce back. Hopefully you do as well. And uh, Game 5 can be just a uh, distant, uh, painful, but distant memory. That'll do it for the Mile High Hockey Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, please tell your friends about it and uh, send them this way. Want to thank, again, our sponsor, TNT Home Services, for all your heating, plumbing, cooling, and electrical needs. Got some great deals coming up in the month of June for them to share with you and for me to share with you, including the chance to get $500 off a new AC unit, also $300 off on a tank model, $500 off a tankless model, and maybe you're in need of electrical work. New TNT customers can receive $500 off an electrical panel upgrade. Just mention the code EVANS when scheduling to be eligible for these discounts. Call TNT 720-500-1979 and at TNTHomeServicesCO.com. TNT Home Services, we got your six. We'll see you again next week on the Mile High Hockey Podcast.